0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 148 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Lucas Agin, and joining me, as always, is my amazing co-host, Ryan Smith. Ryan, how was your weekend? Did you recover from a couple weeks ago?
1: Man, I don't know that I'm ever going to recover, to be honest. Uh, maybe we need to get into the holidays or something, but it, it, it has been... Uh, Just as crazy Actually last week Both my daughters Ended up with RSV uh, So that was brutal They were both Home from school one from daycare one from school Uh, The baby actually Had it a lot worse To where like I mean it was Absolutely heartbreaking Just I mean she was Having trouble breathing And wheezing Didn't really eat anything Had a temp Uh, So last week was uh, (laughs) It was It was definitely Another week But um, I mean Overall though It was pretty solid Obviously God of War Ragnarok dropped Uh Uh, This past Tuesday and boy, oh boy, is it absolutely solid. Um, I'm probably I I didn't get as much time as I would have liked to have gotten into it. But I'm probably a good, I think, like six hours deep into it now. And it is absolutely fantastic. I am I am loving it. Um, obviously, we've got the, and we're going to talk about this here in a little bit, but the Game Award nominees. For the most part, though, it's been God of War Ragnarok, some, some Overwatch 2, and I did pick up Marvel Snap. So I started playing Marvel Snap and you're right that game is addicting. They're quick and I can't uh, I can't get enough of it. It's pretty solid.
0: What about you, my friend? How was your weekend, brother? You get a, a little chill time in? I did. I did. My weekend was good. I will say Marvel Snap is deceptively uh, like the biggest time suck in my life right now because you think they're so <laughs> short you can be like I can just get a couple more games in and then you look and mm-hmm. it's been like an hour and you're like what happened <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, no my weekend was was great uh, in addition to to that I took place took part in uh, this latest Splatfest with Splatoon, which was Pokemon nice. themed. Uh, so you know, I had to, uh, jump in. Uh, Team Fire, <laughs> all the way, by the way. Speaking of Pokemon, it was also a big weekend for Pokemon because in the anime, Ash is finally a world champion. He's finally yes. the very best that there ever was after 25 years of being 10 years old. That's all it took. <laughs> and that <sounds> about right. <laughs> and I will say this too, uh, Uh, Scarlet and Violet are about to come out on the 18th so this has been a pretty big week uh, for Pokemon and thus I am super pumped Uh, but enough about us Ryan we are joined by a very very special guest you know some of his work as a composer on such amazing games as Dead Space Tomb Raider and Moss Jason Graves is joining us today Jason how are you doing my friend doing great. How are you? We are doing well, and we cannot wait to get into talking to you about just some of the awesome work that you've done throughout your career. Uh, But we just wanted to touch base real quick uh, that this morning of our day of recording, the Game Awards nominations were released, and I don't think it was a surprise, but uh, Elden Ring and God of War... uh, dominated uh, a lot of the nominations. I think a lot of us think that it's probably going to be a little bit of a, a race between those two. However, however, uh, I just want to give a shout-out. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles snuck in for Best Game. That is a series mm-hmm. that I think is, is totally, totally deserves more love than it gets. And even Pokemon Legends got in a little bit for Best RPG. So, uh, <laughs> look, these award shows, there's always going to be snubs. There's always going to be a giant debate. Uh, but it's nice... This time of year is fun to see all these games get recognized. Ryan, what did you think of the nominations though?
1: Yeah, I mean, they were about uh what I thought they were gonna be. This this again, remember coming into 2022, we were talking about how it's gonna be such a spicy year in in video games. And we had a lot of games that ended up getting delayed. Obviously, there's there people are still trying to catch up in studios or are still trying to catch up with the work uh just from the pandemic and everything like that. So uh, this is a a, a solid list. Uh, I, I love the fact that there there are some notables on there for me as well. Obviously, uh, God of War, Ragnarok, uh, Elden Ring, I, I think are going to be your two big big winners in, in terms of uh, the categories that they are nominated for. But it was nice to see As Dust Falls uh, had a couple of nominations. Uh, one being, I believe it was narrative. Uh, I want to say narrative I could be wrong on that though and the other one was accessibility I know that's something that we we spoke with with Carolyn in terms of just being able to make a game that everybody and anybody can play uh you know they did a lot of good work on that um I saw Bungie for ongoing uh uh, with Destiny 2 obviously so there weren't really any big big surprises i was a little surprised seeing uh xenoblade up there i wouldn't i wouldn't mind seeing um stray win something i I think that's an absolutely fabulous game and such a such a very unique perspective uh i know a lot of people really enjoyed that game uh so i mean overall this is uh you know this is that that Time of the year that we're able to get together as gamers and celebrate just all the work that everybody has put in throughout this year and the games that we've we've been able to enjoy and the, and the stories that we've been able to enjoy. Uh, this is always a fun time and a nice kind of uh recap of the overall year so i'm really excited about checking this out Um uh, and 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 also too don't forget that votes you can go on there now at um the and you can throw your vote in the ring as well and and see if the games that you would like to win end up uh uh doing doing the thing so we'll see we'll see how it goes is there is there anything that that kind of you were like, uh, I can't believe that this game. I know somebody I had posted on Twitter, and uh, uh, Logan Logan Rocks um, said, no, "No, no, Tiny Tina." And, you know, I was like, look, I, I enjoyed Tiny Tina. That was a solid game. I still, here's the thing, though. I still have to finish that game. I haven't finished it yet, so I'm in, still in the process. But as far as looter shooters go, I love the Borderlands series. They know how to do a good looter shooter. Tiny Tina was no different. Plus, you have the D&D aspect of it as well. So it, it, it was a lot of fun but I'm curious to see if there was anything
0: that you thought was going to be on there, uh, but you didn't see anything about it. Ooh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I'd have to really think about that. I, I think Xenoblade was a surprise, uh, and yeah. thus, especially in, in best game. thus I think there's a lot of, of games that I think people would argue should have been in over that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think on that one a little bit. Uh, but Jason, I, I wanted to ask you, because obviously you are no stranger uh, to providing amazing scores to a bunch of big, critically, and commercially successful series here. <laughs> It, it, when it comes to like an awards time of year, is that something that you pay attention to? Is that something that that like, how how is that free up from the creative side when when works start to get recognized?
2: It's it's a little weird because the things that are being nominated now were <laughs> finished probably a year ago, and <laughs> right. from a composer standpoint. Like let's say Bear McCreary, I promise you he finished that score. Maybe he was putting some finishing touches on it a year ago, but he mm-hmm. finished the bulk of his work a year and a half ago. Um, so it's it's sort of this this funny time capsule where you think, I think I remember what it was like working on that game. Do I remember the game? <laughs> Maybe because now there's been like five other games. Um, I I literally just posted on Twitter that I've released, I think it was 350 minutes of music this year released in various games, films, or just uh, music, like records. So it Mm -hmm. can be a challenge to, um, to try to remember specifically what you were doing on that particular project. But I mean, being nominated, being involved at all, I think as a composer you think about the team you worked with and how great it was having that experience and that it gets any kind of recognition through a nomination or especially an award is just icing on the cake from the fun that we have actually making the game.
1: Let me ask you Jason I, and I don't know are, are do you are you do you game at all or do you just it's it's about the the music and then you know as you get a new project or as you're going through projects you know you're you're seeing cinematics or you're seeing it so you're able to capture the feel and whatnot but do you go back and and actually play the games
2: i do usually Mm. with my kids because it's a lot more fun for me to experience them playing it and um, they also really love scary games which i do a lot of so we have fun (laughs) like we can't wait for the new dark pictures to come out i think it's later this week Um, We're going to download it immediately and and sit and just play through the whole thing. It's a blast. That is awesome.
0: And and speaking of awards, I know earlier this year, uh, there was a a lot of big headlines about the Grammys finally recognizing video game music. Yes. Uh, You know, long overdue. uh, But what 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 are your thoughts on on the grammys kind of finally coming around to that and then you know since then it seems like uh, a who's who of amazing composers that have done work have kind of thrown their names into the ring here uh, so do, do you have thoughts on this whole process too
2: it's 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 really great that america is catching up like to <laughs> to um the uk for example with the baftas mm-hmm. um and it's also really great that there were enough nominations it, at the beginning the the academy the grammys were concerned that there wouldn't be enough nominations to keep the category afloat i don't remember what it is but you have to have like you know 25 there there's a minimum number of nominations that can be accepted for them to continue the category. And oh. being that this was the first time it had come into play, no one really knew what was going to happen. And I know there was something like 90, <laughs> I mean, like five times the number of nominations were put, mm-hmm. were put in, which I think is fantastic because it's all about, I hope, it's all about the music in the game and how the music serves the game. At least that's how I feel the BAFTAs are, are judged. And it's less mm-hmm. about what the most popular game is and just automatically it winning all the awards
1: we'll see yeah you know and i think it's interesting that you that you make that point too just because i feel like especially um as video games evolved and as it has evolved through the years music has played such an integral part in in so many games i mean music has been used as a plot device in games and you know just the feeling the swells the the uh the emotions people gather from certain scenes and, and things like that. Let me ask, is, is that something that you had pictured, um, I, I guess, coming up um, within video game, just being able to get those kinds of remo- uh, emotional responses uh, from those that are that are gaming?
2: Absolutely. That, that's actually what really pushed my focus into video games in in the mm. first place. The very first... I believe it was Mel- Medal of Honor that came out, and Michael mm-hmm. Giacchino did the music, and mm-hmm. yes. it was scored with a live orchestra. And as much as I love Mario and I love 8-bit and I love Nintendo, and that's all really great, but that wasn't necessarily the kind of music that I felt like I could contribute anything to because it was just so good already. And it had 20 mm-hmm. years of this established sort of just pinnacle. Of, of game music, but um, not that I listened to Michael Giacchino and thought I can do better than that, but it was <laughs> inspiring, right? It was like, that's yes. music that I'm familiar with. That's orchestral music. And it's very cinematic. And that's mm-hmm. what turned me onto it in the first place. And that was like 20 something 22 23 years ago
1: oh, Very cool I, I did want To uh, bring attention to a particular category I can't remember if this Was a category in the past or not But I saw that there's a, a best adaption uh, Category mm. now And oh, that's new. I mean yeah It is it is stacked with some really really good adaptions you had edge runners which was absolutely amazing that was the uh, uh cyberpunk 2020 2077 uh arcane league of legends like that was like my real first introduction to league of legends um in, in terms of the characters and stuff like that which i thought was great You had uncharted uh my, my daughter watches the cuphead show you had the sonic movie i mean the the adaptations—that th- was one of the big things, especially growing up. Video game adaptions were always just kind of like, bleh. you know, they—they, they, I'm gonna take every trope and everything I can. I'm gonna cram it all into one film, and people are gonna are gonna go and watch it. Uh, I, I love the fact that they there's a lot more thought. Uh, put into these adaptions and we are getting some solid content. This is just what's come out this year. There's all kinds of things. You got the last of us that's coming out. I know there's been talks about destiny uh, coming out with something and so many more like this category really has me excited. This portion of video games and, and, and and, uh, the studios being able to adapt them into a very nice pal palatable uh, (laughs) format. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. This category has
2: me really, really excited. I think that's an excellent point. Um, It's like, it's the flip side of that coin is the really bad video games that were adaptions (laughs) of movies, right? Right. And the problem is they're tied in, first of all, with the schedule of the film. Second of all, Mm -hmm. most of the time, they're tied into the plot of the film. Mm -hmm. And all you're getting is a you know, a, a, a like a mediocre interpretation of what was better in the other version, film right. or or TV. And it seems that lately, the last couple of years, things have been going more like an adaption is, is inspired by. And then they mm-hmm. kind of go from there. So they're doing a really great job with uh, entertainment besides video games, adapting the IP, the intellectual property, but making it their own. And I think that's when it's a win-win, when the inspiration is there and the, like the emotional core of that property, whatever it is, whether it's scary mm-hmm. or happy or fun or dangerous, it's there. But then they're interpreting it um, in their own way which is
1: great. I'm, 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 I'm waiting for the stray uh, series. <laughs> that would be, that would definitely make for an interesting <laughs> adaption for sure. Uh, but I'm all, I'm all for it And I think you make a great point too, Jason. It's not them trying to do a one-to-one uh, to the games. They're taking, they'll, they'll take stuff and take, take lore from it. And then they kind of run with it and, and go with it and create this new universe that, that, lies within the the overall universe, multiverse, whatever. Um, and and they do their own thing with it. That to me, I, I feel like really has hit the mark. I mean, even uh, the Halo series. I know there's a lot of people uh that that, you know, as that was going on, they were talking trash. I enjoyed it. I, I didn't have an issue with it uh and and I'm excited to see more of it. I'm just here for those kinds of adaptions because it just feels like they're not just Throwing something on a plate and giving it to you. They're putting some thought and feeling into it. And as as a consumer, I really appreciate that.
0: Was Halo, was that series? Was that this year? That was, I
1: think so. <laughs> <laughs> like, I Yo, swear, times We are, kind are so of, consumed with content. Uh, I crazy. will,
0: uh, I'll say that as a surprise. Like you would not, you could not have convinced me at the start of the year that a Halo TV series wouldn't have been up for an award like that. So mm-hmm. I'll tell you that. That's a surprise to me. Oh, uh, no, I don't think Halo is up for an award.
1: No no, just, I
0: I know, just, no, 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 I'm saying that uh-oh. would be a surprise to me that like you could not have convinced me at the start of the year that the Halo TV series wouldn't be up for an award like best adaptation.
1: Right. Like, that would have yeah. been
0: that would have been shocking to me at the start of the year.
1: Yeah, no, I I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you had that you had uh, and, and obviously we've seen some that have uh, uh, taken some hard hits again. They try doing a reboot of Resident Evil and people did not respond favorably to it. Here's the thing, I enjoyed it. Like I and I'm one of those people though that like I'll enjoy anything even if it's just hot garbage. I'm still going to be able to take some sort of positive from it, you know, and and be good with them be like, "All right, it is what it is." Um, but I guess there's also that expectation especially when you're when you're touching a series as such a a series with such a long standing history I feel like that kind of increases the difficulty level because then there is a lot more and and people have already been exposed a lot more to these characters so they have a preconceived notion of what these characters should be like or maybe this is where the story's going to go and then they do something different everybody's like oh that's trash I don't, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like take it easy <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I will I will get off my soapbox. Let's take a quick commercial break. We're coming back talking about Jason, his career, everything he's got going on. We'll be right back, y'all.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to the short messages. And now comes the real fun part of the episode. And Jason, we could start in a million different places. I mean, you've had such a varied uh, and stellar career so far. Uh, I guess let me start here because... You have done a lot of, of uh, work in the horror genre, uh, not only from Dead Space, but even from Until Dawn, uh, with some of the uh, and and a lot in between there. What attracts you to that genre, and do you find a particular type of horror uh, more difficult to score or get right than than
2: another type of horror? Wow. Um, well, uh, it, it's sort of like games in general. I. Kind of fell into. I I went to school for film and TV, and mm-hmm. was happily busy working on that. But kind of fell into games off the side back in two thousand, I think. And mm-hmm. it was just so much fun, and it was so much more rewarding than film or TV that I kind of focused on it. And I think there's a parallel with that with scary music in in general. Um, I did eight years of video game music before the first Dead Space, which was the first horror game I had ever worked on. Mm. But my my background in school was very 20th century, very abstract. Um, So it was easy for me sort of to emotionally shift into that sort of scary kind of sound thing. And being a drummer too, I used rhythm Mm -hmm. because I had taken away all my other options. When I first start a score, like if it's a new horror score, the first thing I'm thinking is, okay, well, what am I going to do that's new that I haven't done before? Because if I have to do the same thing again, I'm going to get bored real quick. I need to Mm -hmm. stay invested. I need to be creative. I need to get the juices going. Um, so with Dead Space, the idea was, okay, well, no melody or harmony. Just make it as abstract as possible. Make the orchestra a musical necromorph. Mm-hmm. They're, they're still acoustic, and they're still playing their instruments, but they're playing them in this completely weird way to get these strange sounds. And as a drummer, that's really easy for me because I've got instruments behind me, <laughs> strings uh, that I ordered from Amazon. I mean, I paid like $79 for my violin. The, the, the contrabass was the most expensive. I think it was $299 at the time. Now, wow. to put that into perspective, a real violin. I mean, the, the guy that I recorded that played lead violin on Dead Space 2 Quartet, his bow was worth $150,000, I think. <laughs>
0: oh, my goodness. Whew.
2: Wow! So for me to say that I have a three hundred dollar contrabass is like, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just so incredibly inexpensive, but it works for what I need to do. I've used it; I use it all the time. Um But those limitations are what really get me going. And it just so happened that that first dead space was just so well done and was so spooky and and scary. So many people responded to it and. I didn't expect it. So I think the next game I did was Dead Space 2, and that was a couple of years later. But then slowly but surely, other people started calling for scary scores. I did um, Fear 3, I think, and they Uh were all based on the idea of the scary music from Dead Space, but not the same technical direction. They, They all had different paths to go down. Either the developer wanted it differently, or I wanted it to be different. And that's what really gets me up and gets me going in the morning, is, is learning new stuff, playing with new toys, and, and just trying trying new things I haven't done before.
1: Well, and, and, and kind of stepping into your mind a little bit too, when you are creating a score for a horror game, is there a particular process that you have, or is it just kind of taking a script, seeing visuals, and then playing around?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think it's really any different, for me at least, than it would be if I were scoring a film. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to read the script of the game, but you you talk to the developers, and they say, for Dead Space, we all know what Dead Space is about, sci-fi, sometime in the future, you're in space, and there's like low ammo. It's a survival horror thing, Mm -hmm. but it's science fiction. So that's that's really important. And the whole idea of the score came from the idea of the necromorphs. One was born out of the other. And then if you take something like um, Until Dawn, that is in the mountains of northwestern america and it's really cold and it's people and there's not a lot there's no sci-fi there's a little bit of supernatural in there but it's it's a completely different kind of of horror Mm -hmm. but i didn't want it to sound like the shining which i think would be a film equivalent to until dawn and the snow and stuck there and all that kind of stuff um but musically speaking it needed to sound like its own thing and Mm. the idea of the cold was a lot of it. it's a very cold score for for until dawn and it's um it's very choose your own adventure the way the the plot unfolds so the music had to be written in a certain way but it's also very thematic so there'd be themes that can be taken apart and put back together in the game and um I'm very distracted seeing myself up on the screen. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Who's
1: that a good looking guy? (laughs) Who's that a young guy? And that was
2: a while ago. Um, But yeah, it's every single game, 1,000% infers to me what the music's going to sound like. And what I'm looking for is an out. I'm looking for the Mm. excuse... To not do something I've done before. And how far away can I get from anything I've done before that will, of course, help the game, make the Mm -hmm. score and the gameplay resonate with the player, but also keep me entertained and keep me interested enough where... I mean, hopefully, I think that that makes for a more exciting score. If the composer's interested in the score, then the players are going to be interested in the score.
0: I love it. You know, if if I could touch on on a couple of different titles that you've worked on, uh, so w- with the Tomb Raider series, you know, obviously when those games came about, it's it's a reboot or a relaunch uh, of of a classic and iconic franchise. There, uh, when you enter into a project like that, uh, that you know people have expectations. Uh, hopes you know there's there's an extra layer of hype i think than uh like a a brand new title uh how do you approach a series like that or something that has a history
2: uh, as a franchise you mean besides like fear and trepidation (laughs) of completely failing (laughs) other than that um i'm So you asked if I played games and I said that I do play games and I enjoy playing games with my, with my kids. Mm -hmm. And those are mostly the scary games that I do. And they also play a lot of Minecraft and a lot of animal crossing. And I'll sit down with them to do that, but I'm not, I'm not a gamer like Mm -hmm. at all. I'm, I'm, terrible at games. Um, if I have the dev kit and I can put it on god mode and have infinite ammo and everything, then I'm like, OK. But I'm the sort of gamer that goes in the room and walks around and gets confused about which door they came in because I can't I can't keep my bearings. Um, so as a result, I usually I, I'm composing to like gameplay capture. So I can focus my mental power on the music and what it needs to sound like or what it's doing if I've already put it in the game as opposed to trying to remember which door I just came through. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and the reason, the reason I, I say this is um, it's very easy for me from a blank slate standpoint to start on something like Tomb Raider, for example, because the only instance I had ever seen of Tomb Raider was when a friend of mine showed me like five minutes of it when he got his, you know, surround sound system done like 10 years earlier. And I don't remember anything about it, let alone the music. So any sort of a franchise, um, it's actually a blessing as a composer. It's like I have my memory wiped. Mm -hmm. So I have no uh, interior expectation of, oh no, um, whatever composer from whichever Tomb Raider, I want to make sure that I honor the past, but still do something fresh and do all that. It wasn't an issue because I didn't know what it sounded like so it was very easy to start from scratch however what's really funny is uh i was at crystal dynamics office in california and we were playing through like the vertical slice which is the first 20 minutes of gameplay that's everything's finished and we put music mm-hmm. in it and everything and i had an oboe that um that did this little thing and the audio director uh, alex Wilmer said, I really love that that subtle nod to the original theme. That's great. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what do you mean? Because <laughs> I, like, I didn't know that, that the original theme started with a solo oboe and did this like just downstep and back up, like something very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did something sort of like that completely unintentionally but apparently all the fans thought it was an homage, which is totally fine. That's, that's great. Yeah. I totally, I did that on purpose. Yeah, that was, yeah exactly. Right. It, beauty is in the eye of the beholder.
1: <laughs> I love that. Let, let me ask too. uh, just taking it even further back, what really drove you to get into music? You said that, uh, you know, you studied, uh, film and, and, in that. And, you know, I, I, I guess what, what was your driving factor that made you say, you know what, I think I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this and, and move forward with this.
2: Well, the, I think first and foremost, the ridiculous idea that my parents instilled in me that I could do what I wanted for a living and support Mm -hmm. myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And we're still in the same town. um, And, I think if, if they had not been as supportive when I was like in high school and even when I was in college, majoring in music, I would have gone down a a different path, uh, like an education path, maybe definitely education, like something with music, but, but more, more education. And, you know, they weren't the starry eyed, like, yes, if you want to, if you think you can sell Rice Krispie treats on the moon, then you do it, son, you can do anything. (laughs) They were, they were realists. Um, but they were incredibly supportive and, um, you know, I got scholarships for undergrad stuff and I got a a scholarship for the graduate school thing in, in Los Angeles. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was still really hard, you know, just mentally to do all that stuff. I'm back in North Carolina now, and I was out in LA for about uh, four or five years. Um, but they were always supporting me and I always loved music. And I always did music things. Um, mm-hmm. I was the band geek that didn't do anything but band, even when there was no band. Um, I was in all the <laughs> bands. Like I, played, I played in all the bands, as many different instruments as I could. I just always loved it. And the idea of doing it for a living, either as a performer or as a composer, which I'm doing essentially both, was, was sort of my dream um Mm -hmm. since probably like 1980 or something whenever 82 maybe when et came out that that score Mm. really captured my imagination the music was great but the first five minutes and the last five minutes of the film no dialogue and the music's telling the story and it was kind of like i know i'll never be able to do that but if i could do five percent of what that's doing that would be really cool.
0: And when when did drumming come into play? What what attracted you to that?
2: That's actually a great segue because I started. Well, I started with piano, and I hated the lessons, and I quit. And then I switched <laughs> to drums because my dad played drums in high school, I think. Um, but that was that was in middle school, and literally, it was just a, a middle school teacher came into like the homeroom. She's just like, "Hey, all my drummers are eighth graders. I was in sixth grade, and they're all graduating this year. I need someone." Like multiple people to come take intro to drums and learn how to hold the sticks and do the things so that you can be a drummer next year. And I thought, well, my dad did that. Maybe that would be kind of fun. And that's, that's how I got started. And fast forward two years in middle school, and I was in every single music ensemble there was. She was even, she was awesome. The, the, she taught band, but also taught chorus. I was singing in chorus, but she picked a piece That had drum set and bass music to the choir and so i sang in the chorus at the concert and then for the last song i went down and played drums and and someone else played bass so we had a rhythm section to go with the choir um i was and i was doing musicals and things when i was like five and six like singing and on stage performing so it's always been a thing like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. entertaining has always been a thing for me
0: has there and i know you mentioned you talked about this with dead space but ha, is there another project that you think having your, your being a drummer uh, helped you approach a project uh in in a more unique way uh other than dead space is there another one that you would point to and go yeah that really helped kind of define that in in a really cool way that maybe you wouldn't have uh had you played any
2: other instrument the cheating answer to that is everything but i'll be more specific in a second because i I realized after dead space but before dead space i thought being a drummer was like my greatest weakness because i couldn't do all the cool stuff that like the piano major could do or that the guy who played Mm -hmm. saxophone could do or the person that played all the different woodwind instruments could do i was just a drummer And after Dead Space, I realized that all the rhythm stuff that I did, all the prog rock bands that I played to in high school and college, all the bands I played in in high school, in college, all the crazy odd meter stuff, all the rhythms that I just intuitively felt, most people didn't think that way. And I had not really thought about it until then. So... Everything that I do, basically, is around rhythm. And and even if there's not drums playing, I'm thinking about the harmonic rhythm. Like, when, when are the mm-hmm. chords going to change? What's going to make it interesting? Um, but to directly answer your question, um, you know, I mean, Far Cry Primal might be a really good example because that's kind of me thinking about instruments back in the stone age pre bronze age and literally the only there were vocals that i did and i did some flutes some native american flutes that were wooden flutes mm-hmm. but everything else was percussion mm-hmm. but it wasn't like traditional percussion i even had a um a drum set that i set up that was like ferns and rocks and a bucket of dirt and i mic'd oh, wow. it the way you would mic a drum set and i played it you know, like the way you would play a drum set, but it was like the Far Cry drum set. And I don't think a a drummer, um, yes, would have thought of that. If you weren't a drummer, no, that's just not the kind of thing that you think of because it's not your, it's not like your core.
1: Right. Let me ask, is there, you know, from, I know you've done a, a ton of work. Is there like a style or or maybe a particular genre that you haven't had an opportunity to create in yet? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's a great question because I had this argument with my first agent in Los Angeles, like in the <laughs> late nineties, she said, I can't, you have to, you had to put a reel together on three quarter tape. Cause that's how it got mm-hmm. passed around to all the agencies. She's like, I can't distribute this. And I said, what do you mean you can't distribute it? She's like, every single thing is completely different there's no, there's no through line here. Um, I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I need to be able to sell you as the orchestral drama composer or as the comedy composer or as the, like the four piece rock band composer, um, or as the mystery composer, you can't have an individual cue that each does one of those separate things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but I thought that was the whole point. Like a a good composer is well-rounded and they can, they can do different things. And, um, I've gotten to do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. What I would like to do more of is probably just like unabashedly fantasy orchestra, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, kind of back to, um, oh gosh, what was that Ubisoft game? Heroes of Might and Magic. Um, Mm -hmm. That sort of, you know, fantasy orchestral kind of thing would be, would be really really cool like very thematic and and very sweeping
0: you know if i could touch on uh the moss series which i, I think are just just absolutely fantastic uh and uh for a lot oh, of different cool. reasons but when when you get a chance to come back uh and obviously you've been able to deal with a couple other series uh for that second one uh ha- What is the process like to kind of like building on what you were able to create uh, with the first game? And and then kind of is it is it what does that feel like knowing that you helped kind of establish the musical blueprint? And then for a sequel, you get to take it in in whatever directions that that
2: you and the creative team see fit. I think the greatest privilege as a composer is to be asked back on something. (laughs) Because you're yeah. sort of like, yes. <laughs> they liked like, it. Yes, <laughs> they liked it. And and it worked. And there's another game, film, you know, season, whatever coming out. Um, especially with a team like Polyarc, who are just such a joy to work with. Um Yeah, it's it's kind of like I don't go back and listen to a lot of my old stuff like ever. Mm-hmm. Mainly because it's it's hard, I think to to put myself back in that sort of mental musical um, vocabulary, whatever it was that I was doing four years ago, six years ago, ten years ago mm-hmm. um, which is just one of the few detractors to trying to learn so much and trying to move forward and trying to educate myself is in a best case scenario, you know something I wrote a month ago doesn't sound, Um, the way it did a month ago because i've learned more and it's like gosh darn it i should have done this and i should have done that and oh i wish i had an oh yeah i remember the bass was too loud there and just uh, so much stuff beyond just writing music because Mm -hmm. i'm i'm sort of the one man band in the in the studio i do all the mixing i usually do most of the implementation in the game i'm mastering the albums i'm doing everything not because i'm a egomaniac, but because I'm in North Carolina, and there's just not a lot of <laughs> for me to go and sit in the room with someone else who's got big speakers in a properly treated room and, and have them help me with it. Um, so it's almost like with Moss or any other game, the first version, it's like I had to build this boat to get off an island, right? And by the time I got to the mainland, I was down to like a, a one wooden plank and an oar. Like everything had gotten worn out. Um, and now I'm starting new and they're like, you have to go back to the Island. And it's like, okay, well I can at least use this one wooden plank in the sword, but I'm going to have to build the boat back up because I want to carry more people this time. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. it's kind of like picking and choosing the things that worked. Um, Like the main theme from Moss, um, I feel like really worked in the first game. And that's Mm -hmm. really the main theme that I use throughout something like 60% of the game is, is the, theme from book one. And I wrote a bunch mm-hmm. of new themes. So I added some new stuff to the boat, but like the, you know, the mast and the sail is essentially that one main theme. Cause I felt like I could get more mileage out of it. It, it needed more. Um, you know, it had more to say it's, it's kind of hard to to quantify the the closest I can get to it when, and I'm not comparing myself to, I think it was Michelangelo. I'm not saying that I'm the musical (laughs) Michelangelo, but there was a quote uh, about a famous sculpture. Maybe it was Michelangelo. Maybe it was someone else who said like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything with the sculpt, the sculpture. I'm just getting rid of the marble and revealing Mm -hmm. what's already there. And I feel like that's the way it is with music too. It's like, you're, Spend most of your time figuring out what not to do. And then what's left is sort of the obvious thing that needs to happen.
1: Well, it's interesting that you say that, too, because it's almost like, especially when it comes to revisiting a character, re- revisiting a, a universe, you know, from the end of that story to the beginning of the next, there's a there's a growth period. There's maturation and and all that stuff. And I feel like it's almost parallel uh then to the music and the music then kind of helps to define that and and show that hey there's been growth since the last time you visited this character or or this place and and you're
2: able to feel
1: that through the music
2: yeah totally and a lot of that fortunately just happens naturally because mm-hmm. it's been three years since uh, I was working on the music, or it's been a year and a half since the developer was working on the graphics or the story. We've all grown as human beings, so it's sort of impossible to not reflect that in Mm -hmm. whatever art that it is we're creating.
1: Is, sorry, sorry, one last uh, for me. Uh, Let me ask, is there, who who would you say are, and I'll just say two, are some of your biggest inspirations just coming up and um, even now uh, that you just go and you could just sit and, and, and jam out to or just listen to and kind of get inspired by their sound?
2: Um, well, gr- growing up with drumming, especially someone growing up sort of in the 70s and 80s with drumming, A lot of it was all these old bands that no one under the age of 20, unless you live in my house, have heard of. But like, you know, Yes and Genesis and Rush, sort of the progressive rock bands that that do all the interesting time signature things. Um, That is, I mean, that's me in a nutshell. If if you know Rush or Genesis and you listen to an action cue from Dead Space, you know, it's not going to be as melodic, but the rhythms, the groove is yes. there if you if you can just disassociate your brain from all the scary sounds and just listen to the way the orchestra is jamming it's just a giant drum set playing progressive rock <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak in one more question here, uh, and it is Dead Space related. Obviously, uh, it's a it's a classic series that uh, everyone is super excited for the remake. Uh, yeah. What what are your thoughts on on seeing your work getting to be introduced, maybe to a new generation of gamers that haven't experienced it yet? And kind of tangentially to that, uh, what is the key, do you think, to, to creating a score that really kind of stands the test of time when so much of media can be dated super fast?
2: Wow. Okay, last question first. Um, only because I've got an idea, I've. Everyone, if you're talking about a film or especially trailers, which I've done a lot of trailer work, everyone's always chasing after the cool new thing. Um, the most obvious thing in trailers being the big Inception horns, when the first <laughs> Inception trailer came out. That's, that's still feel like, imprinted everywhere, right? So you ask about like creating timeless music, and that's not what I think anyone sits down thinking, I need to create something that's completely timeless, and right. doesn't sound dated at all. Because a lot of composers, they have no choice they they have to stay within the the confines of the director or the the creative director for games, the director for film um whomever it is they're they're sort of given like their audio palette ahead of time and in games mm-hmm. that's that's very different at least i've I've experienced to be the opposite where they're looking for something completely different and completely unique and I've always tried to run away as far as possible from anything that is considered like hot, mm-hmm. whatever the, the cool new sound is. Um, you know, I don't use loops. I don't, uh, especially for drums and percussion, cause I'll play it all myself, but I just don't like the, the loopy nature of it. Something just playing the same thing over and over and over. Um, I'm very organic and I like live sounds. And I think, that's already getting me ninety percent of the way and hopefully not sounding dated, like the music I was writing today, not sounding dated in ten years because I'm not capitalizing on all the current trends of technology that everyone can use with a, a laptop and a little VST instrument doing mm-hmm. some crazy combo of effects and and sounds and, and presets that everybody else has. It's um, I don't want to sound like I'm on a soapbox because those kind of tools work if Mm -hmm. used the right way. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you just need to finish a deadline and stuff like that saves (laughs) your life. Yep. But most of the time for me, I'm thinking the exact opposite. How far away can I get from that? And instead of clicking through presets on the computer, I'm walking around the studio, picking up things and listening to them and trying different combinations of stuff. Because for me... um, not being dated equals being original Mm -hmm. and being original equals doing what you're feeling inside as opposed to what other people are asking you to copy. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, no, that completely makes sense. I love it. I I know we could talk to you for hours. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, seriously, please let, let, let people know where can they find you? Where can they find your work? Lay it on us, brother.
2: Um, but, huh, yeah, my publicist would be like, this is where you're supposed to say all the important things. <laughs> um, well, my, my website, my website is just my name, yes. jasongraves.com and uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube channel, um, Twitter, all the social links are there. And I'm constantly posting way more than anyone would ever care about about like my animals and my instruments and and my life
1: <laughs> I love it Jason again thank you so much for being on the show we really appreciate it man okay. Totally my pleasure.
0: Thank you very much. Absolutely. Uh, All right, Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend, my friend? Okay, short answer, Pokemon. But I'm going to cede my time, Jason, because I did not give you time to answer what it would mean like to have Dead Space uh, introduced to a new generation of gamers. So I cede
2: my time to you. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, I I think that I can just repeat my previous answer. When you get asked for a sequel, (laughs) it's the same thing. If they're remaking the game, they would remake the music, right? They're remaking everything Mm. else. Um, I I understand there, there is some new music in it, which I think is totally, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to hear it. But the fact that they're keeping the original score is just like hands in the air, like, woohoo. Yes. I mean, what an amazing privilege to have that stay. It's just, I mean, I'm, I'm, literally speechless. I think it's just it's the greatest compliment in the world
0: I love it Limeless. I love it Ryan how what about you now what how what are you up to this weekend? I'm not
1: going to be playing any games because I have to go to Canada for a wedding. So I will be I will be in in Canada um, for a wedding, but it should be a good time. And then then when I get back, it is I, I, I don't I don't think I have any more traveling to do or anything. So I'm going to go hard and heavy and got of war. I'm going to try to finish that off and then kind of get back on some of these games that I've definitely fallen off on. But uh, it should be hopefully a nice chill weekend and we hope you guys have a nice chill weekend again thank you guys so much for listening don't forget hit us up on the tweeters at Land Parties Pod at Egan or at smitty2447 uh, let us know what you guys uh, think is going to be winning game of the year all the other awards we'd love to hear from you guys we'll uh, uh, talk about it I'm sure again as we get closer and then obviously after the award show so let us know on the twitters or anywhere else that you guys see us at thank you again for listening and and don't forget to uh we hope you guys have a fantastic weekend and you already know what
0: it is we love your faces